We are on Ksubis Nunbez Amaralov towards the bottom of the Gemara 52a. As we begin a discussion of when there is an obligation for the husband to redeem his wife, is there a situation where he does not have an obligation to redeem his wife? Um, and what about the children? Uh, would the children have an obligation to redeem their mother? Says the Gemara, Tanarabana, Nishbez Bechaye Baila. So if a woman is taken into captivity during the while her husband is alive, the wife is taken into captivity, and then the husband dies, so If the husband knew about it, the fact that she was taken into captivity before he passed away, so then when he passes away, the children have an obligation to then redeem her. Just like the father had an obligation. However, lo hikar babayla, in yorshin chayavin livdosa. If the husband did not know that she was taken into captivity, even though in reality she was taken into captivity, but then he passes away, and only afterwards is it now known that she's into captivity, so then the children do not have an obligation to, uh, to redeem their, their mother, or even if it's a stepmother, they, they would not have such an obligation. They would have an obligation if uh, the father knew about it before he passed away, which is an interesting um, interesting uh, point where we say that there would be an obligation for the children versus there not being an obligation for the children. It's not about whether she was taken into captivity when he was alive, when the father was alive, but it's about whether he knew about it when he was alive. Uh, which may reflect upon the obligation. What exactly is the obligation uh, to redeem, for a person to redeem his wife? Some of the later commentators point out that it might not just be a monetary obligation, uh, but it's really about uh, putting in the effort. It could be that sometimes to redeem his wife, he has to, it's, not a, it's not a financial issue, but it's really a, uh, a different way of trying to figure out uh, how to redeem his wife from uh, captivity. And so therefore, the obligation only kicks in once he knows about it. Once he has to plan uh, a way of uh, freeing his wife. But if he never knew about it, so then there is no obligation to begin with. And then that obligation does not transfer over to the children. Now, there would be an obligation upon the community. The community would have an obligation to free anybody who's within the community. Uh, but in terms of the specific obligation within the family... Uh, that, the, that obligation is on the husband, and if he passes away, and he knew about it before he passed away, so then that obligation is transferred over to his children. So now says the Gemara the following story. Um, the Gemara says, Levi thought um, to, to put this into practice uh, in, in a certain case uh, where the wife was taken into captivity. Amar le rav, Rav says back that Rebichia, um, uh, my uncle, who he refers to him as somebody who's dear to him, my uncle, he says, um, no, we don't, we, don't follow, we don't follow this position. What do we follow? Interesting. Rav says in the name of his uncle Rebchia that no, there is never an obligation. There is never an obligation upon the uh, children to uh, redeem their mother. 
uh, or whether or or stepmother, um, not stepmother, but uh, the co-wife of the of the mother, um, if he if he's married to multiple women, there is no such obligation. Why? Why is there why is there no no obligation? Uh, because it has to fulfill similar similar idea that we discussed in the last class. It has to fulfill what it says in the ksuba. In the ksuba, it's written that when the husband redeems his wife. They return and they stay married to each other, at least with regards to a Yisrael. When the husband is a Yisrael, they stay married. But if the father slash the husband passed away already, they cannot fulfill that. He already passed away. And since they cannot fulfill that, says Rob in the name of his uncle, that there is never an obligation, even if he knew about it in his lifetime and then he passed away, there is never an obligation on the children because it does not fulfill the condition that they, they, they stay married after she is freed. And so, this is what Rob says, and this is this is how we follow that uh, there is no there is no obligation placed upon the children. That would be interesting. Uh, they discuss what if the husband was a Kohen. If the husband is a Kohen, to them there's a slightly different language in the Ksuba, in the document, uh, as we discussed in the last class, where they, they do not return back to each other and stay as husband and wife, but they have to get divorced, and the wife returns back to her home, um, back to her parents. And so then maybe the, there's a question, you know, in, in such a scenario, would the children have an obligation or they not have an obligation? That is a discussion. Uh, we don't have time to get into that right now, but that, that itself is, is a pretty big discussion. Okay, so in the end of the day, uh, at least with regards to if the husband is Israel, there would not be an obligation placed upon the children. Next case, next case. Tana Rabbanan, it's taught in a brisa. We have the following brisa from the time period of the Mishnah. Nish beis vayum menu adasar bedameha. What happens if she's taken into captivity? And the asking price is 10 times the amount of, let's say, uh, there's different ways of phrasing it, but let's say the, go- the going rate, because uh, according to some. Because let's say she's not the only person they take into captivity. Let's say it's they're, they're taking, unfortunately, they're taking many people into captivity and asking for, uh, for money. This is how they, uh, they're asking uh, the community for money. And for her... They ask for 10 times the amount. So how far does the husband have to go? What is his level of obligation? So according to the first opinion, uh, he, has to, he has to, for the first time around, he has to pay. Whatever their asking price is, he has to pay for it. Uh, he would have an obligation to pay for it. Some want to compare this to, uh, to himself. When a person is uh, in his own, if he if he's himself is in, in captivity and he could pay his way out, so then he, he would have an obligation to uh, to make sure to, to pay for it so that he could, he could go free. However, if it's not the first time, according to the first opinion, so then it's his choice. There is no obligation. The obligation is only once. Uh, but once, uh, uh, if it's the second time around, so then he would not have he would not have an obligation. If he wants to redeem his wife, he could, uh, but it wouldn't be an obligation. Again, it's an obligation on the community. It always falls back on the community. If the, if the husband cannot free her, so then it would fall back on the community. Rabbi Shimon Megamil argues, and he says, there is never an obligation for the husband to redeem his wife if it's higher than the the going rate, let's say, the going rate of how much uh, money they're asking, they're demanding to free their prisoners. Uh, that uh, there is no such obligation. Why? Why is there no such obligation? Because this really relates to a broader question of when people are taken into captivity, how much uh, 
uh, they're taken as, as prisoners. So how much are, should we uh, give in to their demands? And uh, this is actually found in the tractate of Gittin. This is found elsewhere, this, is, uh, this discussion. Um, and we say that one shouldn't pay more than the going rate. Why not? So this is discussed there. There are different reasons why not. One is because we cannot force the tzibor, the community, uh, to pay up, and it's going to cause people to, to lose a lot of money as a result of this. Alternatively, another reason is because we don't allow this because um, we wouldn't allow this uh, because then the, the, they're just going to raise up their, their demands. If we give in to their demands, their high demands, so then they're going to continue with their high demand, and it's only going to increase and increase and increase, and we cannot allow that to happen. They're just going to take more people to captivity, demand more, so we don't allow that. We say whatever the base, whatever the regular amount is, so then that's what we're willing to to pay for to, to redeem, um, uh, for a person to redeem, some for the community really, to, to redeem somebody. And Rishim Gamaliel says the same thing applies when it comes to a husband. A husband... He would also only have that obligation to, to based on that on the going rate. According to the first opinion, it said no. The husband has an obligation to pay above and beyond that. And as we mentioned before, perhaps what are they arguing about? It could be that the first opinion says that ishto uh, kagufo that just like a person himself has, if he's taken into captivity, there everybody agrees that if he 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 would uh, he would be able to perhaps required to um, if he has the if he has the ability to pay for it to to pay for a higher demand if there is a higher demand so then. The same thing would apply if his wife is taken into captivity. It's like they're one unit. According to the second opinion, Rishim Gamaliel, no. When it comes to himself, okay, so he has to free himself. But when it comes to uh, his wife, so then the regular rules would apply where we say that uh, we, we don't give in. We don't give in because otherwise they're going to only increase their demand. It's going to cause the community to lose lots and lots of money once the demands are so high. Um, and so therefore we wouldn't give in. Uh, says that that's the second opinion. The Gemara asks on that second opinion. Urminhi, nish beis vayum mivachim minada sar b'ksubas upon rishon apodim mikam veelach rotz apodim rotz. In apodim rishon will omer im haya perkona kenegik subas apodim im lav ein apodim. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel tre kule islay. Essentially, the Gemara asks on Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel. Uh, they quote a brisa that, that quotes Rabbi Shimon Gamliel slightly differently. That it seems to say that not only do you not pay if it's above her value. But it seems to say that you don't even pay if it's above the amount of the ksuba. The amount of the ksuba. If it's above the amount of the ksuba, so then uh, the husband would not have an obligation to redeem his wife either. And the Gemara answers, yes. Um, basically, if if the going rate is lower than the ksuba, uh, so then uh, he would only be obligated to pay whatever the going rate is to, to redeem his wife. If the going rate is above the amount of the ksuba, so then he would only be obligated to pay the amount of the ksuba. Uh, whatever the ksuba is worth, whatever is the, the lower value, so then he's only required, according to Rishim Gamliel, he's only required to pay uh, that amount, whatever wh- whatever the lower amount is, according to Rishim Gamliel. Again, according to the first opinion, uh, the first opinion is of the opinion that for the first time, when we follow like this first opinion, that for the first time, the husband, it's Ishto Kagufo, it's like his wife, it's like himself, when he when he's taken into captivity, he would have an obligation for the first time that, he's take, that she's taken into captivity to, to pay however much they're asking for, but once it's after the first time, so then uh, it's his choice. It's not an obligation that's placed upon him, but it, it, in the end of the day, it's his choice. Now, just a, a few points on this whole situation of what happens when people are taken into captivity, a little bit of, of more general points, not related to the husband's obligation, but the community's obligation. Are there ever exceptions to this rule? And the answer is yes. There are exceptions to this rule. One exception to this rule is if the if the uh, person taken into captivity is a Talmud Chacham, is a Jewish leader, a Torah scholar, 
Uh, so then uh, we would pay more for it, uh, above and beyond the, the going whatever the normal price is. Another exception to this rule would be to save if it's children to save them that they're from uh, their Yiddish guy from their religion that if they're taken into captivity, then they will uh, leave their Judaism. They just won't know. They'll be so ignorant they won't know about their Judaism. So then we also would pay uh, for higher than uh, the normal the going whatever it means that the going rate would be for people who are taken into captivity. There is a bigger issue which is. Not necessarily this topic. It might be. It sounds like it's this topic, but it's really could be viewed as a different topic. But what about people that are prisoners of war, or people that uh, are uh, taken in, into captivity um, as prisoners during wartime? So then, how much is, should a, should a government uh, pay to release a prisoner of war? That is really a, a bigger discussion. Um, which uh, impacts also how do we deal with war? Are we allowed to give in to the enemy during wartime? Um, there's certain, definitely certain opinions that say that we can never give in to the enemy. It just helps out the enemy further. Uh, there are other opinions. Uh, so that's really a, a, a bigger discussion, but it's a fascinating one. Um, uh, and only uh, slightly, conne- slightly connects to, to our topic, but it's something to keep in mind. Okay, the Gemara goes further. We'll continue with the Gemara until we begin a new Mishnah, which we'll save for the next class. The Gemara now discusses Luxachai Lerufu Asa. The Mishnah mentioned that if she is sick, so then there's an obligation placed on the husband to uh, pay for the doctor bills. To pay for the doctor bills. We did mention in the Mishnah, just getting back to the Mishnah for a second, that there's a difference between being taken into captivity versus uh, being sick. That if, uh, if she's taken into captivity, the husband has... He's not allowed to uh, divorce his wife and therefore remove himself from the obligation to redeem her. However, if she is sick, we mentioned that he could re- divorce his wife and then the rest of the of the doctor's fees uh, she has to pay on her own or through the just the regular ksuba that he's giving, uh, the amount that he's giving to his wife. Uh, but he wouldn't have that additional obligation to pay for the doctor's fees. Now, we did mention at the time that uh, if, she's, uh, if she's really, really sick uh, uh, and she's uh, uh, very sick, so then... First of all, we don't recommend this to begin with, but if she's very sick, so then he's not allowed to divorce his wife. Um, and we, we mentioned at the time, we had this um, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we mentioned at the time what the difference is between uh, when she's taken into captivity, where he's not allowed to divorce his wife to, to remove himself from the obligation, as opposed to, as opposed to when there are doctor fees um, and that she's sick. Uh, so that we discussed earlier. Tanarabanan, it's taught in a brisa. Almanan izonis menichse yisomim. According to the first opinion, we'll now discuss not just not the husband, but really the children. What happens if the husband passes away? So then do the children, do they have an obligation to pay for uh, her food, for her sustenance, and also for her healing, for, for the doctor's fees? So the first opinion says, yeah, just like there's an obligation to pay for her sustenance, so too there's an obligation to pay for her doctor's fees. That's the first opinion. Rabbi says it depends. If there's no set amount uh, for the uh, for the payment of the doctor fees, so then the the yisomim, the children would have an obligation to pay for pay for it, just like when it comes to her sustenance. However, if there is a set amount, that set amount can be taken from the ksuba. She receives a ksuba. She receives a payment. At the end of uh, at the end of the marriage, when he passes away, so she should pay for the do- this. If it's a set price for the doctor's fees, so then she should pay for the doctor from the ksuba. But if it's not a set price, 
we have no idea how long this is going to last for. We don't know. We don't know um, what the price will be. So then it does come from the children. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, "Asu hakazas dam beretz yisrael kufuash in la kitzva." It says that they used to have bloodletting. They used to think bloodletting was a form of uh, healing. And so bloodletting uses that as an example, as a treatment, that there's no fixed cost. There's no fixed cost. Therefore, the children would have to pay for that treatment. Uh, another story, Karive de Rabbi Yochanan, Havaluhu itos Abba to have a strichos rufua kol yoma. The relatives of Rabbi Yochanan had to take care of uh, the wife of their father. And she needed treatment every day. And it was very high. The, the medical bills were very high. So they asked Rabbi Yochanan, the relatives, they went to Rabbi Yochanan, uh, he basically gave them advice and he said, listen, I have, I have a way of solving this. I know it's costing you a lot of money. Uh, you're my relatives. I'll give you advice for this. And he says, create a fixed fee with the doctor. Talk to the doctor. Right now it's not a fixed fee. Every day there's a new treatment. There's a, there's a new amount. But tell the doctor we want to we wanna change the approach of payment the system of payment, and give me one large sum for however however long it's going to take. In this way, this is a trick to use so that they get out of payment because it was really costing them a lot of money. And that's what Rabbi Yochanan originally said. He said, give, give one one sum amount. And then later, Rabbi Yochanan regretted doing this. He says, we've made ourselves like lawyers, like legal advisors, trying to find loopholes within the system. In fact, uh, in Jewish law, we don't we, we generally don't have lawyers. Um, today, today in uh, certain court cases, there there are some form of lawyers. It's not exactly the same that it that it's like in a secular court. Uh, and when they do exist, so then it's viewed as a form of mechila that the other party is is forgoing uh, uh, and allowing for this that they allow for somebody to help advise. Uh, but Rabbi Yochanan said that, that I should not have advised them. It was the wrong thing to do to to find certain loopholes so that they wouldn't have to pay. Sigmar so asks, what was Rabbi Yochanan thinking? What was he thinking? Why do you think originally that he should advise them and then he thought he shouldn't advise them, should not? So Originally, he thought uh, based on the following Pasuk, the verse in Yeshaya, uh, that don't hide yourself from your own flesh. That it was his relatives. You have to help out relatives. The relatives, they were losing lots and lots of money because of this and he thought he has to help out his relatives. But in the end, in the end, he held that um, it's wrong for somebody of great stature like himself, somebody who's a, a leader, for him to, to start advising his family members so that somebody else, the, 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 the wife of the deceased, loses out. It's going to look like he's favoring his relatives and that uh, he's doing it specifically with his relatives. It looks bad um, and doesn't give a good picture for, for, for Torah leaders. And so therefore he realized that he should not have done this. Um, okay, uh, one last point. There's also a discussion. What happens if you have certain scenarios where um, the the wife either causes herself to be taken into captivity. She does something which is stupid and put, basically puts herself into captivity or let's say she doesn't take care of her health. So da- then does the husband slash the children, do they have an obligation to pay for the doctor fees or or to redeem her? So that itself is, a, is also a big discussion, which we don't have time for right now. Uh, but that completes the Gemara and we'll begin a new Mishnah in the next class.